0: Hey everyone, welcome to this Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Brooks Kavina, and I'm here with Brian Smith. Uh, The legendary John McClain retired last week, and uh, to commemorate it, I've actually worn this Arrows t-shirt. I know that's great for podcasts, um, but that was his first beat with the Chronicle back in 1977, but he moved on to pro football. Brian wrote a very, very good column about him over the weekend, and it echoed a lot of our feelings for John and it's kind of weird doing this podcast without John McClain. It'll be weird going forward, but I did want to share one story. I remember from the very beginning. I actually had COVID my very first day on the job. I was like, I I I I have to work. I have to do all this. I I just got hired and I can't work and I wanted to contribute. And John's basically out there by himself and I'm upstairs, you know, sweating through my sheets and I, I want to be able to contribute. And John's like, no, I got it. And he was pumping out stories every day, like four or five a day during training camp for like 10 days. I had known earlier about how hardworking and how good he was at his job. But I mean, he carried me for the first 10 days of the job. You don't really even know that in some ways kind of resembles my relationship with him uh, because he really was really a guardian and um, a mentor throughout this time. And it was just a blessing to work with him. Brian, there was an announcement today from the Texans. They're going to do a draft party at the Miller Outdoor Theater. They normally do it at the NRG Stadium, but uh, this year they have the three and thirteen overall pick, and it's all about rebuilding for them. And Nick Casario, what he's going to do as a GM, and Lovey Smith as a head coach. um, That's we're a little over three weeks away from this, so just seeing that from them. What was kind of your reaction to this? It's exciting. Brooks,
1: I mean, it's, it's a very small thing, right? I mean, nobody will remember in five or ten years where they held it unless they boo the next J.J. Watt uh, or you have some type of unplanned event. But this is a nice, simple idea by the Texans. And I've been advocating for them to do these types of things for years now. I don't know who gets it. I don't know if it's Greg Grissom, if it's PR, uh, you know, who actually deserves credit. I just know that it's it's that, that's a simple idea that connects you with a fan base, the idea that it, it's public, it's free. If you want to go, you can go. I, I don't have the specifics in front of me, but I remember in past years, it, it started to kind of feel like if you're actually going to go to NRG, be a fan, you know, be around everything, it maybe got harder and harder. It just felt a little closed off. This is the exact opposite. I mean, this is, you know, somewhat it's in the loop. It's it's somewhat in the center of Houston. It's near downtown, midtown close enough to 6'10", um, you know, 59, you can get there. I think at some point, everyone's been to Miller Outdoor Theater, at least been close to it. If the weather's nice, you, you're, you're going to pick number three, you're going to pick number 13, you're going to trade up, trade back, whatever you're going to do. This is a nice, simple thing for the Texans to do, and this is exactly what they should be doing. I remember when the Astros had their rebuild and they tore everything down and they knew they were going to be horrible for a few years. They had a lot of, false missteps. They got a lot of things wrong, but they also got a lot of things right. And it felt like they gradually just embraced, hey, you know, it's all about the future. It's about the new uniforms and the prospects and, you know, not so much what we're doing at the major league level, but, but, you know, the minors, the Rockets have embraced that with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter and their rebuild. It's about time that the Texans start to embrace this. They're how many games are you going to win next year? How relevant are they going to be next year? What's going to matter to the fan base is who they take number three, what they do with these draft picks. You know, these, these are going to be young players that the fans can start to get behind. And so why not open this thing up, kind of kick off a new era, love Smith. You don't need to be closed. You don't need to be Patriots-esque. Open this thing up. I think this is as simple as this is. This is a, a pretty brilliant idea by the Texans.
0: And, They'll have the number three pick, the number 13 pick. It's the first time they've ever entered a draft with two picks. They had two picks back in 2004 when they traded up to get Jason Babin. This will be the first time that they'll have two picks. And we did our first mock draft over the weekend. Really, I think this is going to come down to two things for the Texans. Uh, Whenever we were in the NFL League meetings last week in Palm Beach, yes, I know it's, you know, Tough sledding to be able to go on a work trip to Palm Beach, but uh, that's where the NFL owners and the coaches went to uh, do all the new rules. And uh, I talked with Nick Casario and Lovey Smith about those picks, and Lovey said that you know they were really had the same mind of where do you start in a rebuild. It it may sound pretty simple to most teams, they they believe that's on the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, and those are out of the many, many needs for the Texans, things they need. Um, and I, I just have a feeling one of the weird things about this NFL draft, Brian, is that there are so many teams with two picks in the first round. There are eight teams with two first-round picks. I bring that up because Nick Cacero has always said that he's been open to trade talks with either the third or the 13th pick. With that many teams, I just have a feeling that Either either the trade value won't be as high as they want it to be, but or maybe it turns into one of the most craziest trade exchanges just because everybody has a surplus and wants to be swinging their picks around. We we saw the Eagles and the Saints making a preemptive exchange a couple of days ago, and now we'll see where that goes. And you know, at at, at the thirteenth pick, we'll we'll see what ends up on there. But for number three, I just feel like this is going to be one of those drafts where the Texans need so many needs. And it's going to come down to what's the best available for a position. And if there are two of the best available at that position, I think it's going to be really hard for any GM to really pass on that ability to make that choice because we could see, I've seen many different mocks, many different analysts uh, point out that maybe three pass rushers go one, two, three. Uh, Trayvon Walker from Georgia is continually climbing. Aiden Hutchinson uh, from Michigan, he's always been kind of the talk at number one and Jacksonville, the way that they've uh, stocked things on offensive line, that's uh, through free agency. That's kind of why everybody thinks they're moving towards the pass rush. And then the Texans, they they were okay on the defensive line. Uh, They've got Jonathan Grenard, who was pretty good last year, uh, started off fast and then uh, injury and and then some COVID-related stuff at the end, uh, you know, uh, tapered off in his sack production, but – they, they could use another uh, pass rusher. And if I doubt Aiden Hutchinson will make it past Detroit just because he's from there and his talent is so high that he might get picked number one or two. But I think Trayvon Walker is continually going to get up and maybe he even fits into number one. So at three, I I, I went ahead and put them at uh, picking Icky Aquanu, who is the offensive tackle from North Carolina State, just because that is the best player at that. Position out of him and Evan Neal. I think the best player at that position in terms of what the Texans need because it's just a wide ranging minefield in some ways. For if they draft an offensive line on all the moving parts that would happen after that, they still have Titus Howard under contract for another year, and it's possible that they could pick up a fifth year since he was drafted in the first round in 2019, but they don't know what they're going to do with him. He's been playing left guard. Uh, he started off at right tackle. He played a little left tackle last year, and Casario and Smith haven't committed to where he's going to play yet, which uh, you know can be in some ways stunting his growth at one position, but he's pretty versatile, has played his best football at tackle, so if they draft a tackle, then it pretty much spells him playing guard, and if he goes after this year, he may want to go play tackle elsewhere, so they'll be searching for a guard, but – you know, Ikea I- I- is a very good offensive guard who could eventually slide out to right tackle. If after next year, they decide not to pick up Titus Howard's contract and then move in another direction. And then they can eventually slide him out. And they'd still be looking for a guard, but they can uh they'll have more uh, salary cap numbers next year. And we'll see where that goes. And, um, or they can maybe select Evan Neal, uh, Alabama offensive tackle who also played some guard in college, but uh, you know, the other thing, you, a lot of people think you could also, at this slot, pick Kayvon Thibodeau at number three out of Oregon, who continually is having to prove himself in public announcements through the media that he cares about football, that he's good enough, and that he thinks he's number one in the draft. It seems like every year there's a player who um, is getting kind of bashed uh, from unnamed source through the through the NFL Combine, up through the NFL Pro Days, and then he was once a number one overall prediction, and now teams are trying to figure out whether he's good enough for them. I I think from his production at Oregon, he he can be a dominant defensive end. There were times throughout last year where he showed that he was battling some injury throughout that year, so some of his production maybe wasn't up to par what people would have expected out of a person to be a top five pick, but his talent is there. Um, I think how he described himself at the NFL Combine and spoke for himself, he obviously cares about the game and uh, knows his circumstance, but if the Texans were to select another defensive end, he pronounced himself as the Jadavian Clowney 2.0. And I remember that got a little bit of an outcry from Texans fans on Twitter. But, um, I mean, if you're at number three, Brian, it's not a sexy pick to go for defensive line, offensive line. They could go maybe at cornerback, safety, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, what when you're looking at that pick, does it matter whether they're trying to energize a fan base, energize thing? Because they've seen a defensive end so many times, an offensive lineman. What What do you think they should do here with the third pick? I'm, I'm not going to make my call until we get closer to it. Uh,
1: th- I think the, the one thing that we are seeing is what we see every year. And I, I remember seeing this in 2014 and 15 and, and on and on, is two things always happen. The, and McLean, speaking of John McLean, McLean would always point this out. I mean, the quarterbacks always rise Right. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point that Malik Willis is. I mean, some people have Malik Willis going number two to Detroit, which seems absolutely insane to be, but he's starting to move up there. I haven't seen Hutchinson really move, and the mocks are always wrong and they're increasingly wrong, but I haven't really seen Hutchinson move for one. But you are, and you mentioned this earlier, you are seeing Travon Walker, you know, at two, kind of in that area. I don't see Casario moving up, right? I don't don't think there's anybody that says, yeah, we're going to leap. You're not going to leap to one, so are we going to leap from three to two and give away future draft capital? That doesn't make sense. I've always thought trading back makes sense. But if they stay at three, if I'm Nick Casario, I don't give a damn what the fans think at all. I mean, you have to have your board and your belief and your player and some form of a consensus, and whether that is Neil. Uh, I don't. I think Thibodeau falls. Whether that's Thibodeau, um, you, you can you can move that 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 around. They have to pick the player that they believe in. If you're going to stick at three, this seems like you have three, you have thirteen, you have all the future picks. I mean, the Texans for the first time, really in franchise history, are just loaded up with picks. Are almost in a rockets type situation. If you're going to stick at three, and this is this may be. Maybe is the highest draft pick that Nick Casario has for years. Ho- hopefully, if they start to turn this rebuild around, you stick a three. You want to nail that pick. You want to get somebody who theoretically, you know, you have on your roster for the next five or ten years, turns into an annual pro bowler. It rarely works that way. You, you know, you, you look back and Dale Robertson and I did a really comprehensive look back at, at what really works in the draft. And we did that in 2014 when they drafted Clowney. And it, it's amazing. How much attention we pay to the draft, and how little really comes out of the first round. It's 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 so hit or miss. So much so much of it is is luck and the fit and the system and the culture and and all these intangibles. But if I'm Nick Casario, I don't care what the fans think. I don't care what the media thinks. Uh, If if I believe that the best player for my team is an offensive tackle, that's the the antithesis of being a sexy pick, an electric pick. I pick that tackle. If if I believe, hey. That the best player at number three, and I don't see Walker falling. But if Trevon Walker is at number three, and I'm I'm Nick Casario, I take him without even blinking, and I don't trade back. I I go for that. So I think it, it you know remains to be determined, right? Um, you still, but you still you're seeing two things. You're seeing Malik Willis continue to move with the board. You're seeing Kenny Pickett still around six. It felt like at one point Kenny Pickett wasn't going to be in the first round, and he's still up in there. You mentioned all the all the teams with multiple first round picks. I think it's going to be a, a, just an absolutely fascinating, very electric draft. And that's the question: How do the Texans fit into this? I will, will again learn a lot more about Nick Casario and what he really wants to to for this team moving forward. This won't be a Lovey Smith pick. This will be a Nick Casario pick, and I'm fascinated to see what he does.
0: And you mentioned the trade, a possible trade back at three. I think. When you look at what's going on at thirteen, I think that might be more of an opportunity to trade that pick, especially with the Saints and the Eagles. Malik Willis being in the top five would be pretty crazy to me. And I, I remember you you were saying that too. But I think that that range is where these quarterbacks are going to start being taken, and that's where trades generally happen. So I would I would expect more that the thirteen get tr- uh, traded than than the three at this point. I have right now Kyle Hamilton dropping to 13, and I have that because he he's been dropping since the NFL Combine down to the Pro Day where he ran in the four sevens. I think the argument always is around him. He's like his film is great, his interviews are great, but the speed. A lot of people wondered about why the NFL Combine still like with with its with its workouts and all of the things that are there when all when they have all this other data, all of the speed tracking analytics that colleges give to NFL, why those combine workouts are still viable to GMs and coaches and evaluators in the NFL. It's sometimes a tiebreaker. So when you start seeing 40 times like that, that can kind of weigh in the decision of a decision maker, you know, okay, I had him graded here and I think he's going to start, I'd rather pick someone else at this slot. So maybe Kyle Hamilton reaches down that low. I think it's going to be difficult for teams like Atlanta, who are have to make the choice of saying, okay, am I going to let four sevens in the 40s keep me from drafting a guy who has excellent tape? We'll see, but I do think that 13 carries more of a trade possibility because it's not that certainty with the number three. You've got a, a wider range of players that people want at that position. The Giants, the Jets, they have – Two top ten picks, so I, I don't know how much trade value there would be at three because people who need players in a rebuilding franchise have the opportunity to do so through the top ten. Uh, but that'll be interesting, and maybe the Texans are able to pick up another second round pick that people were upset that uh, he didn't that Casario wasn't able to get in the Deshaun Watson trade. And uh, you know, the second round picks, we we see many of the other needs that the Texans have. You know, in the second round, that's probably where running backs are going to start getting picked. I, I thought it was interesting. Over the weekend, that uh, the Texans signed Marlon Mack, a uh, former Colts running back, and I, I think that can mitigate some of their needs at the position. Uh, he's coming off of an Achilles tear a couple of years ago. That's what set him back in the Colts. The Colts, he was doing great from 2018 to 2019, almost put 2,000 yards together, 17 touchdowns in those seasons, and then right at the beginning of 2020, suffered that injury. Y'all know the rest. I mean, Jonathan Taylor came out, and he's been really the best running back uh, this year, and then... Uh, if you want to put the last two years together, he's one of those rising stars, so they didn't really have much need for him with Naheem uh, Hines also in the backfield. So uh, right now, Mack is 26 years old. If the Texans feel that he can get back to what he was back in 2019, it could be a pretty good deal for both teams. They need still need a guy who can be uh, the guy who can carry the bulk of carries. Uh, Rex Burkhead is the leading rusher still on this team, so we'll see how that works out and whether that – means the Texans can, instead of feeling like they have to overstep and draft a running back just because they need one, or they can spend that pick on someone they feel that's higher and uh, graded better on their draft board. So I think that'll be interesting. We'll see more uh, free agent signings before the draft comes. Next Monday is when uh, the Texans start their workouts because teams that fire a coach get to start earlier. And uh, since they fired David Culley, uh, after one year, they're able to do so, so we'll have plenty more as we're going over the weeks and I'll say again, like what John was so good to me uh this past year, and uh it's it's weird doing this podcast without him um and even behind the scenes, like week to week, I would try so much to uh to to meet with him and um you know it was fun going on all those trips together to Green Bay to start and all the way through San Francisco. And uh, y'all would hear it on the podcast too, um, you know, asking about my experience. That's that's how it was. He included me in everything. And it was so – I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And, um, you know, John's such a good person. And you saw that in his uh, farewell column, the first one. He named – it seemed like over 100 people. And that's the thing. It's like he's impacted so many people and he remembers – all of us, and um, you know, it's 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 going to be really exciting to continue to cover the Texans here. And I hope you'll stay with us. We'll have plenty of coverage. They're going to uh, do a lot with these picks. It seems. Uh, you know, last year was four and thirteen, and we'll see what they do in this new regime as they continue to go. We'll see you next time. I'm Brooks Cabina, and you can find me at B K U B E N A.
1: And I'm Brian Smith. You can find me at Cron Brian Smith.
0: Thanks, Brian, for stepping in for John. We'll be together leading up to the draft, and we'll have plenty of content going forward, so we appreciate you guys listening to these podcasts. We'll have all the stories on HoustonChronicle.com, Texas Sports Nation on Sunday nights on television. Thanks, and continue to read, watch, and listen.